0: Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Executive Director of the Massachusetts Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers and Director of LCL's Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, improving the lives of attorneys by offering free and confidential help for Massachusetts attorneys on issues ranging from depression and addiction to how to improve their business practices, For more information on our programs, visit www.lclma.org and www.masslomap.org. I'd also like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, a cloud-based case management solution. Although all practicing attorneys face stress every day, the attorneys and staff in large law firms may face more stress day in and day out due to the manner in which most large law firms are managed and the simple economic reality of operating these firms. On the upside is the large salary and the material possessions that those salaries buy. On the downside is the long hours, which in many large firms will easily exceed 3,000 billable hours a year on top of administrative, marketing, and pro bono hours. In addition, there is a culture that requires successful attorneys to develop profitable clients year after year, and most cases are bet-the-corporate-life cases where failure is not acceptable. Our guest today is picked as one of the top 10 winning trial attorneys by National Law Journal in 2003, and has regularly appeared as one of Boston Magazine's super lawyers. He is a graduate of Vassar College and Boston University School of Law. He was a law clerk for the United States District Court Judge Joseph Toro. He started the Boston office of two national law firms and was the co-head of the litigation department of one of the firms. He was also elected to senior equity partnership in both firms. From 2002 to 2004, he was the lead counsel in the Boston priest abuse cases where he and his firm represented more than 300 victims over those years. So not only has he been a part of the firm leadership, which is making these demands upon other attorneys, so he has this insider knowledge, but he's also had to deal with the stress of being one of these litigation attorneys. So he knows the stress, he knows the burnout, he has learned uh, stress management and has taught it at the university level, and he is here today to talk about how firms can save their attorneys and staff. Eric, thanks for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Rodney.
1: So, Eric, just to start this discussion, I, and I know I gave you a lot of uh, bio there, <laughs> but you, you tell me a little bit about you know your background in the law firm and litigation, and how that impacted your view of how attorneys, how this lifestyle, uh, and what it does to attorneys as far as stress.
2: Well, when I first started practicing law, we came into it uh, in a in a culture that was much more oriented as an honorable profession as opposed to a business and that changed over the course of my 20 years of practicing to the point where you know I was an administrator responsible for achieving financial goals as the head of the litigation department of a large law firm. And um, uh, what what I observed um, over the course of that is that uh, in many situations, there was an inverse correlation between the amount of hours and work that lawyers were doing in the litigation department and the quality of their work. And when I looked into it a little bit more, I found that people who work these astronomical hours uh, lose their focus, lose their concentration, and simply have no time to engage in the types of activities that human beings need. So it was a, a rather sobering experience. Um, I saw tremendous damage done to human beings. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think that still continues, particularly in this economy.
1: So w- when you look at those uh, law firms, and I, I know you mentioned a few there, but what, what would you identify as like the major stress points for the large law firm attorneys?
2: Well, the major stress points were um, obviously billing hours. Um, and bringing in new clients, and people were rewarded in a compensation system that did just those things. Now, what that has, uh, how that affects lawyers is, is in a variety of different areas. What I observed, uh, and I talked to a lot of young lawyers and made it my business to do that, uh, deprivation of sleep, poor nutrition, uh, lack of exercise. Uh, many um, uh, lawyers would report to me, though, particularly those who put in long hours, uh, really racing minds, which affected their ability to concentrate Um, and make good judgments, which in turn affected, you know, how many hours I would have to write off on their time. And then obviously increased um, uh, alcohol use um, and also uh, increases in depression and anxiety, which I think in 2007, according to a study I read, became the the leading cause of people seeking help from your organization. So uh, there were many, many ways that I saw this culture of high billable hours and pressure a culture that was really based on stress, on creating stress, uh, affect um, the lives of lawyers. And Let me just say one thing, Rodney. That, you know, I'm not Pollyannish. I mean, uh, practicing law is about stress. There is stress there, acute stress. But what I observe from doing this is that um, there's a difference between acute stress and, and chronic stress. Acute stress is okay. Uh, we have to get ready for the cases. We have to close the deal. Uh, chronic stress, however, has a variety, and it's well-documented, it's not subject to debate, of of reactions, uh, including the release of stress hormones, that have catastrophic consequences, both physically and mentally.
1: Well, and, and this is... Uh, let me ask you this, because, I mean, my experience with a large law firm was that You know, the first two or three years that I was there, I was learning so many new things and had so much to prove that I I thought that the levels of chronic stress from across the board were higher than maybe I experienced later in my career when I felt I had more uh, you know knowledge and and uh, control do you do you think there's anything to that or does it, it continue to increase in the large law firms
2: well it depends on the firm to some degree but um when i was a partner at one of these firms i won't mention which one <laughs> yeah. uh, i was i was pretty successful um uh and at the beginning of the year the managing partner would say okay you you all had uh, depending on who you are had a great year but i want to be clear there are no free parking spaces here Anymore. And what you did last year has to be recreated this year. This problem of stress and uh, demands for billable hours and bringing in new clients and getting leverage, in other words, being able to bill out associates that are profitable. Right, I I don't think it ends after the second or third year. I think if anything, it becomes uh, more uh, chronic and more of a problem uh, as you achieve, if you achieve an equity partnership position, because so much is expected to you. But to me, at the beginning of the year when I heard those words, there are no free parking spaces. (laughs) I mean, my reaction was immediate stress. My God, I have to do this all over again. I've had a horrendous year. I mean, I've had a very profitable year, but I've had a horrendous one in many ways. Now I have to do it all over again. So I think it goes Beyond um, uh, the second or third years running,
1: well, and 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 probably and maybe, and this is something that you and I had talked about. So, and I don't want to go into uh, this in depth, but one of the changes I think that I made personally was moving to a small firm and a solo practice, or almost a solo practice, a very small firm. So, you know, I had more control. But what are the control issues in the large law firms that you think continue to? really create these culture, I mean, I think you touched on it there, but what other control issues do you, or culture issues, do you find that really are pushing people's panic buttons, stress, anxiety buttons?
2: Well, as I said earlier, I mean, I think the profession has shifted over the past 20 years, as has the public's perception of the profession. It really now is a business, so the focus is on profitability. Um, and, and that creates, quite, you know, very obviously, the need, since we bill for our services, the need to put in more hours and the need to produce more clients. Um, the, the problem is is that doing that, when you get up to some of these astronomical rates, you said 3,000 hours in your introduction. I didn't see too many people at 3,000 hours, but I saw a lot of people at 2,500, 2,800 hours. But when you're, when you're billing 60 hours a week, if you're being honest about it, you're putting in 80 hours uh, at the office. That's just too much. Human beings are multidimensional. Um, they have needs outside of work. They have, they have needs to be with their families. Uh, they they have, have needs to uh, be involved in activities that they enjoy. Uh, they have needs to be with family. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different needs that I think a lot of these law firms don't recognize. And, and that, in turn, leads to burnout. It needs, leads to lawyers leaving, like you did, large law firms and going to a smaller firm. All of those have economic costs. And that's what I I don't think law firms realize, that by creating this culture that is so stressful that it ends up working against their own profitability in terms of, as I said, people leaving, even in terms of increased health care costs, not to mention... Uh, people becoming very very ill i I don't know many you know trial lawyers at sixty who are billing twenty five hundred hours a year. I know a lot of them that are seeing their cardiologists once or twice a week, so it's not even profitable
1: right just because the long term health cost and 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 economic cost of having to train new people and so forth really uh impacts the ultimately the financial uh viability of the firm
2: absolutely and and the other issue is You know, uh, is that 10 to 15 percent net profit that you're going to make by, by, and perhaps you're going to be making it by uh, really trying to get "quote unquote" the most out of your people by having them put in those 2,500 hour to 2,800 hour billable years. Is that, do you want that to be your legacy as a law firm, that you were able to do that? Because you're also putting tremendous pressure on human beings. Um, who are your colleagues? Who are your friends? Is that going to be your legacy? And I think some firms are starting to recognize that and change their culture uh, so that it's not strictly focused on getting that you know, extra 10% profit at the expense of, of people's, you know, in some cases, people's lives.
1: Yeah. Well, and it seems to me like, I mean, it's going back to this whole cultural issue. It's like you're creating, a in some cases, these firms are creating a culture of, you know, work only, work first, which bleeds over into the lives of, of individuals over a long period of time and talk about a legacy. I mean, So, you create individuals whose legacy is I worked, you know, uh, I've made a million dollars a year, worked 2,800 hours a year plus, uh, but I didn't get to go skiing with my kids for five years in a row.
2: Yeah, maybe for three days, and you were taking calls and and texts, things like that. Right, uh, right. So maybe you got to you got to do that, but you know this this has been studied. I mean, you know, going back to nineteen ninety when Johns Hopkins did a seminal study on lawyers and found that they had the highest depression rates of of any other occupation. I mean, I think it's well known that you know, according to at least some studies, this, both the depression and the suicide rate for lawyers. Um, And I think particularly at large law firms is is higher than any other profession. So, yes, you're going to be able to make money. But you really want to look back as a law firm manager and realize that, you know, by creating this culture... Uh, You know, you have really been involved in something that has profoundly affected, in a negative way, people's lives. Is that what you want your legacy to be for that, you know, average partner compensation of a million dollars when it could be $750,000 and people could be leading reasonable lives and, as I said, multidimensional lives? Uh, where they do more than work. They don't have this myopic focus on work. And you know, I'm not so sure that this is profitable anyway. I mean, I think you look at healthcare claims for, for law firms that have higher, on average, billable hour rates, you're going to see see them much higher than medium-sized, small law firms that don't have this culture. Um, I think you're going to see lower levels of burnout if you, if you don't place these demands. All this relates to the bottom line. So, you know, you really have to wonder. Lawyers don't understand this. Um, and, and they believe in many cases on a stress-based based management system. And, and it, I, I'm not even sure it's more profitable. And it certainly isn't worthwhile.
1: Yeah. And it, it does seem like it's a, a long-term culture. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the going into the football coach that was coached by screaming and yelling, and, <laughs> and he can never get past that, right? And that's the same kind of carryover in firm management you seem to get uh, year after year.
2: Well, it does vary among some law firms, and some law yeah. firms are, are picking up on this. But 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 it is that kind of grandiose belief that we can. And it's not just law firm management; it's also lawyers who believe that they're somehow different from the rest of the population. They don't need to lead multidimensional lives. They're going to be immune from the types of problems that they see with their colleagues, uh, particularly uh, mental health, psychiatric issues, physical uh, well-being issues. Um, they they think that somehow it's not going to happen to them, um, and 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 that's really uh, an irrational view because. The more you do this, as those years go by, uh, it does have a tremendous toll on your stress levels. And that, in turn, uh, takes a great deal out of you, I mean, to put it mildly, on your physical health and your emotional well-being. So the studies are there that document this. I think sometimes firms and lawyers believe it's not going to happen to me.
1: Right. Well, and you've like you've really laid out a whole series of impacts on, on attorney's lives. I mean, you know, the potential of increased depression, lack of time with their family, inability to re, really live wholesome uh, lives that are outside of, of work, uh, increased uh, levels of alcoholism, addiction and so forth. So, you know, if you catch a firm's uh, management team's attention here, uh, and based upon maybe your your Work with or uh, knowledge of other firms. What are some really good first steps that firms can take to improve the management? Uh, so to improve these attorneys and the, and you know paralegals and so forth, their lives across the board.
2: Well, what we try to do first of all, I mean, it's really the same. It's really two things. The first is educating management. Um, you you can't expect. Uh, any changes in the um, life of a lawyer simply by having him or her, you know, do a do a year-long retreat uh, at, a, at a at a Buddhist ashram. I mean, that's just not going to do it. You <laughs> right. need you need to change. You need to educate management. So what we try to do is to sit down with management and say, okay, well, what is the culture here? What are you trying to achieve? What are your goals? What are your values? We ask that question. Sometimes there's just Silence in the room. They'll say, Well, we want to make money. We want to be profitable. Okay, well, what is the effect of what you're doing? How is it affecting the lives of the people that work here? And, you know, and some people will be able to, to talk about that, but they don't understand the relationship between stress. Uh, and, um, how it affects the people that are there, both in terms of their productivity and their lives. So what we try to do first is to educate management and, and, and not to do it in sort of a, you know, a vague Pollyannish way, but really by citing studies and explaining to them sometimes <laughs> with PowerPoint presentations that have images of the brain, you know, I- how stress affects uh, individuals physiologically and, and mentally. If you can get their attention and educate them on that, sometimes it's, it's, it's an enormous revelation. It's one of those moments where they say, oh, I didn't quite realize that. And then the question becomes, well, what kind of systems can we put in place to redress this, to make sure that, that we don't cause this damage to our colleagues? And in fact, you know, maybe we put in systems that will decrease that st- stress and increase productivity. That's the first step.
1: Yeah. And what? Well, and then, how? How do, Have you seen some real successes in the in law firms? Move taking that first step and then moving forward to to uh, implement it successfully.
2: Yes, and I think it really, you know, in in uh, stress management, we talk about mindfulness, uh-huh. which is which is not just a fancy word for awareness that was coined by by Jon Kabat-Zinn. And what we really see is people are, are you know, even though they they, they know that it's stressful. They're not aware of, of really of what they're doing and how it's affecting their lawyers. And so, and so that's really the first thing. If we can get them aware of it, and, and we have a you know pretty sophisticated presentation that we can put on that is uh-huh. very frank, if you can get their awareness, then you can talk about the next thing, which is what do we do in our culture, in our management systems? How do we make it a whole person-based management system as opposed to a stress-based management system?
1: well that and and then how have you seen them successfully like try to move that culture down into you know the the young equity partners or the people who are about to become equity partners, you know, are biting at the bullet to buy the big house and the big car or they've already done it and they feel like they need right. more. Is there, uh, have you seen them successfully? Like, or how would you uh, suggest that these firms like move that culture forward into the lower uh, echelons of the attorneys?
2: Well, once you've educated management, then the next thing you have to do is to be educating the legal professionals on what they did need to do to take care of themselves and what, what they need to do uh, to make sure that they don't suffer uh, stress-related burnout and that they recognize that they have multidimensional lives, which have to include things like proper nutrition, proper sleep, exercise, um, and in many cases, decreased uh, alcohol abuse. And they have to recognize that they're going to be spending time with their families. So w- w- what we do is, is we create a stress management program, and it's actually been very successful. We tell management, okay, we want to put up a, a sign-up list, but we want to make it anonymous so people don't have to confess it for a stress reduction course. And we will guarantee you that that sheet, even though people won't want to use their real names for fear of you know, <laughs> being identified as someone who's weak, but, but we can create a, a system using, using uh, uh, that makes it anonymous, that sheet for 15 people will be filled up by the end of the day because yeah. people really want this. And then you can talk about, we do a six-week stress reduction program for, for lawyers. And then we do follow-up studies afterwards, after six months, to see if they're still doing it and to see if it's working. And, and then you can start to, to really see some tangible results in people. But it has to come from the top. Management has to say, look, you know, we want to make money. We're all here to make money. Uh, but we also care about our employees. And, and not just in a Pollyannish, we care about you. But w- if, if you start showing up every Saturday and Sunday... Um, and and putting in hours, many of which we're going to have to write off because you're so exhausted. You know, they're not good hours. Right. Um, you know, we're going to intervene. You know, we're we're going to say that's unacceptable. And and I think the the law firms that have done that have much higher lawyer retention rates and lawyers who are uh, far more productive in the sense that they're able to focus, they're able to concentrate. Um, and and what what they need to do to achieve this is 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 not Herculean. I mean, it's very easy to achieve. Um, You know, maybe we can talk about that a little bit more about what a stress management uh, self-care program looks like. But this is not hard stuff to do. It's very easy. It takes dedication and discipline, but it's not hard.
1: All right. Well, let's. we're going to take a quick break now, and when we come back, let's talk about that self-care program. So right now it's time for a quick break and a word from our sponsor, Firm Manager by LexisNexis, a cloud-based case management program.
0: You've heard of Firm Manager. You've seen ads for Firm Manager. Now you can try Firm Manager free for 30 days at www.dot.myfirmmanager.dot.com/slash-ltn. Firm Manager is the web-based matter management application from LexisNexis that lets you run your practice anywhere, anytime, including your desktop, laptop, mobile phone, or iPad. Take the free 30-day trial today at www.myfirmmanager.com. Slash LTN and spend less time focusing on clerical work and more time on practicing law. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legal We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn too.
1: Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dowd, joined by Eric McLeish, principal of McLeish and Wolverton, former trial attorney and proponent of better living through stress management. Uh, and as we were talking, Eric, uh, we were talking about uh, the programs that you're, you're doing for attorneys and the six-week program with follow-up and so forth. And w- one of that, the, where we ended it was, you know, what is a self-care program for attorneys and how, how does that look?
2: Well, it has a variety of, of, of different components, but let, let's just first talk about. Some people think of meditation as having to go out into the uh, into a. Uh, a cabin in the Berkshires with a bag of rice for a year and, and give up practicing <laughs> law. You know that's not what we're talking yeah. about. But but what the what the research has shown and it's shown it very very clearly that if you can take fifteen or twenty minutes each day to quiet your mind, let's not call it meditation. Let's call it what Dr. Herbert Benson calls it, the relaxation response. If you can sit quietly and through a breathing exercise for just 20 minutes a day, the the, the studies show that stress-related illness and stress-related mental health problems are going to decrease dramatically. There have been over 1,200 peer-reviewed studies just on meditation alone. So meditation, um, or let's call it again, um, relaxation response is something that's easy to do. There, I would particularly recommend the um, uh, CDs, if that's still if that's still a term <laughs> so that are put out by the Mind Body Institute in Boston, are easily available uh, through Dr. Benson's organization. Um, so that's one thing that you can do. The, the other thing that that you that you can do, I mean, and these are just sort of mindfulness um, opportunities that really are designed to decrease the chat or decrease the thoughts in your brain. When we come in and we do an inventory uh, with young lawyers or even pr- seasoned pr- practitioners, we ask them, how many thoughts do you think you have a day? And they'll say, I don't know, you know, 20, 30? And then we have them write down um, for 10 minutes all the thoughts they're having in their brains. Which their thoughts affect their emotions, and their emotions affect their actions, and, and they they can't stop writing after ten minutes, and it's really a revelation for them. So if you can intervene at the thought stage, and and have these lawyers stop thinking in a habitually negative way, but 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 quiet their minds, it produces tremendous results, and that's well documented in the in the professional literature. We also advocate uh, for things like. Um, Uh, For example, journaling, Um, taking a a period of time, it doesn't have to be a long period of time, each day, uh, preferably before you go to bed, to to just journal, to to write about what you're thinking and what you're feeling. That's not something that lawyers do. We also put together peer support groups because, you know, not a lot of people, including, quite frankly, sometimes uh, partners, spouses of lawyers, really understand the stresses that they're facing. Peer support is nothing new. You know, it goes back to kind of group therapy, but our peer support groups are run by lawyers. Um, They're not run by mental health professionals, although there's certainly situations where mental health professionals need to help these folks. So things like that, peer support groups. Uh, journaling. Uh, we have people fill out, fill out mood charts to chart their moods during the day. This does not take a great deal of time. And people have misconceptions about relaxation. They think when they can go home at night and at 11 o'clock turn on John Stewart, you know that that's something that's going to relax their their brains and help them sleep. That that's not true. It's highly uh, stimulatory. Alcohol, uh, for example, can is it, is a depressive. It can relax you for a period of time, but then you wake up at night and 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 your your mind is immediately going so it's it's really educating people on healthy things that they can do to manage stress that don't you know take up enormous amounts of their time and that are going to allow them to coach their kids you know basketball soccer and baseball teams
1: yeah and and i think that really is so important the what you, what you said about you know not taking a ton of your time because i think that's one of the initial reactions I hear is I don't have basically it's I don't have time to relax. That you know? that's,
2: that's a pure fallacy. When yeah. you, you do an, and one of the things we do is we we have people chart what they do with their time, you know, and and when they do that, can you fit in thirty minutes a day, you know, for something that's probably going to you know mean that you're not going to be spending much time on the operating table when they have to do you know bypass surgery? Uh, that's not going to result in you being so depressed you can't get out of bed in the morning and build those hours. Can you spare 30 minutes, you know, four or five times a week? Um, we, we do some of these exercises actually at law firms, um, and it does not take an enormous time. What it takes is effort and, and being aware that this is something that's important. But the, the time argument that we have to go off to retreats, that we have to, you know, meditate for an hour, that we have to have, you know, um, uh, weekend gatherings, of, you know, where we, we talk about holistic therapies. You know, I think all those things are great, by the way. But but they're not necessary. You can achieve a measurable, and we do measure it, a measurable quality in your life and a decrease in your stress level and an increase in, pro- in, in actually bottom-line profitability um, and your ability to work um, if, if we can introduce these types of programs and if law firm management can recognize that they're valuable uh, and, uh, on a, for a variety of reasons, not just economics, but in terms of you know what kind of people uh, they are and what kind of firm they want to have
1: right well listen I'm, unfortunately we're we're running out of time here, but before we do, I'd like to ask you if you have any last words of wisdom for uh, large law firm attorneys or medium sized law you know firm attorneys where they're working in these firm cultures uh and working within this this stress uh filled culture
2: You can continue to have a profitable law firm and you can dramatically change the culture so you you don't have um you know thirty five percent of your attorneys. Uh, depressed, which is actually a statistic from the Hopkins study, um, that you can have a much friendlier environment, one that is less stress-filled, and and also one that is profitable. Maybe you'll be cutting back on that 5% of net profits, but when you look back uh, to see what you've been able to achieve uh, when you're 65 years old uh, or 70 or 80, you're going to be proud of what you did. This is achievable. This does not involve the dramatic restructuring of how people practice law.
1: Well, that, that wraps up this edition of the On Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. And a really special thanks to our guest today. Eric, I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts and experience regarding this important issue of life in the law. Uh, can you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and and the programs uh, that you're putting together to deal with stress management issues for lawyers?
2: Well, there's a... Uh... We we have a rather complicated domain name McLeish and Wolverton, but we also have another one which is easier for people to remember. It's a mediate mediate dot com. So you can contact us through that website.
1: All right, great. And remember, uh, listeners, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. And please feel free to continue this discussion on. Twitter, where you can find me at at Rodney Dow. I hope you'll join us again on the next on Bill Blower, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs.